Today is the 20 year anniversary of Maddie's mom's death. Her mom died from a rare form of breast cancer when Maddie was 13 years old. Maddie feels like she has finally begun to grieve after avoiding it for so long. If you are enjoying the podcast, can you please leave a rating and review? I'd appreciate it. And now, Maddie's story. Hi, this is Beth. Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm not glad you're here. I was thinking, oh, we're glad you're here. I'm not glad you're here because if you're here, that means that you have suffered a loss, most likely of some sort. Um, But we are glad that Maddie is here today to share her story um, about being a daughter without a mom. And ironically, as it worked out, because Maddie and I have been in conversation for a couple of months with um, scheduling the interview and then rescheduling it. And ironically, now her podcast will release on Tuesday, which is the 20th anniversary of her mom's passing. So it feels right that we are together here tonight. Um, And like it goes, I'm going to pass the mic over to Maddie and let her tell her story. And then I will come back with a question or two at the end. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here, Beth. It's really an honor. I really appreciate everything that you do and providing the space for people to share their stories. I think it's so meaningful. Um, It's a bit nerve wracking to be here to do that myself, but it feels right at the same time. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I'm actually a psychotherapist myself and I spend all day listening to other people's stories. And I don't think I um, have given myself many opportunities to share my own. And um, as you mentioned in your introduction, um, Tuesday, which is um, potentially the day people are listening to this, um, Tuesday, um, November 11th, 2023, will be the 20-year anniversary of my mom, Nina's, passing. Um, So it felt more important than ever for me to do this. I've been spending a lot of time this year just thinking about my grief and thinking about how I want to honor her. And this is one of the the ways I came up with. Um, I think it also just feels like convenient or helpful in a way to have a place where I have my story because sometimes it's hard to even know where to start when people ask about my mom or ask about my grief. So I definitely am eager to just have this to be able to share with my loved ones, um, friends, family, um, others as well. Yeah, so um, I lost my mom when I was 13. Um, So I'm 33 now. She passed away from breast cancer, specifically inflammatory breast cancer, which is a rare type. And... I guess I'll start maybe in chronological order as best as possible. Um, I'll just share a little bit about my mom. So my mom's name was Nina. She grew up in Brooklyn, New York, which is where I also grew up. Um, My grandparents, her parents um, were my grandfather, um, who is still living. He um, is of Italian descent. So his family was Catholic. And then my maternal grandmother, who um, has since passed away, she was um, of Ashkenazi Jewish descent. 
Um, so my mom grew up with both of those like religious practices and cultures, which was pretty like unconventional for that time, I think. I think it became more common like the next generation, um, but definitely something that I really admire about my family and how, um, yeah, they just incorporated like an interfaith um, approach to everything. Um, and she was one of six siblings. There were five girls, one boy. And she um, actually got married to her high school sweetheart. So I don't know like the exact age, but I think she might've been early twenties, like 22, 23. And I think they were married for about two years and that didn't end up working out. Um, unfortunately, I never got to really talk to my mom to hear her own words about that. Um, but I do know that they kind of like stayed on on good terms. Um, but I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Um, and my mom met my dad, who is an Irish man um, from Dublin. Um, he had been living in the U.S. for uh, I'm trying to do some quick math here, maybe like five, six years at the time um, at a bar that he was working at in Brooklyn. Um, and to be completely honest, they were not together for all that long. They were together for less than a year, maybe about six months or so um, when she got pregnant with me. And she, basic, from my understanding, she basically said like, no matter what, I'm having this baby. Like I think her and my dad were still figuring things out. They didn't really know what the future held or, you know, where they stood, but she just knew for sure that this was what was right for her. And fortunately, my dad was along for the journey. Um, but I feel like that story is just like very representative of who she was. Like she kind of just did things her own way and just like lived life the way that um, felt right to her. <clears throat> outside of expectations. And I know like my family at the time was kind of like, oh, this is a different path than we thought. Like you were married and had this one life like all planned out. And then here's, um, you know, a whole other story. But yeah, she just made it all work. Um, and my parents actually didn't get married until I was six. So I remember being a kid and I think I like um, joked about, well, I don't even know if I was joking. I think <laughs> maybe it became a joke eventually, but I like called my dad, my mom's boyfriend. And she was like, maybe you shouldn't tell everybody that. Um, but yeah, they got married when I was six and it was also pretty unconventional. Like um, she was actually like eight months pregnant with my brother. Um, and they got, just had like a courthouse wedding. She wore a black dress. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, honestly, I can't say anything negative about my childhood. I feel like I had a great childhood, like zero to 10, tons of happy memories. Um, I um, was the only grandchild for six years and I didn't have um, a sibling until around that time too. And I had all my aunts and uncles around who all lived in New York and just got lots of attention. My family is like very family oriented. So we're just like together every weekend. Um, and I guess like some memories that stand out when I think about my mom are, I just remember always feeling like I could go to her as a young kid. Like I could tell her anything and I never felt judged by her. Like she was just 
um, a very comfortable person to be around. Um, and also I think about writing. Um, I just remember her writing, whether it was us writing together or her writing on her own. We used to write stories together. So I would like tell her a story. She'd write out the words, especially when I was too young to be able to do that myself. And I would draw the pictures and we would like make these little picture books together. Um, and she was just doing like tons of her own writing. She either had her journal with her or she was on the computer. Um, and since like just sidebar, like <laughs> jumping ahead a little bit, but I actually now have a bunch of her journals. Um, so that's something that I feel very grateful for to like have that legacy. Um, but yeah, she just like wrote tons of poetry and fiction and just all kinds of things. And she worked for a child psychologist. And I was told that she was basically the ghostwriter of her two books. She wrote, um, wrote these books and they had all these like little stories about kids, which apparently were like mostly about me, even though she used like alias names. Um, yeah. And reading also, like my mom just had so many books, um, books of on books at home. And I just have memories of us reading together. Um, and then, yeah, my brother was born when I was six and I had a lot of cousins starting around the same time. So my family just continued to grow and just like lots of happy times, lots of family gatherings. Um, but yes, it was when I was 10 that things started to change. So I have a vivid memory of um, being in our home office at the time. And it was like, I guess, late 90s. So I was on the internet using dial-up and it was like a whole thing. Anytime you loaded the website, it would take forever. So it was like, I was like in an internet hole, um, which I had to take extra advantage of at the time because, you know, you could lose connection at any point. And I just remember my mom telling me like, you know, Maddie, I really need to talk to you. You need to come downstairs. And I was protesting. And then she told me that my grandparents were there. And I remember being like, huh, okay. It's kind of weird that my grandparents are just randomly here on a Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. Um, and that day she told me and she told my brother that she uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, of course, as a 10 year old, I had a limited understanding of what that meant. Um, I didn't have any other friends who had parents with cancer. I, um, I don't, it's hard to remember. I mean, I definitely knew it was a, a, a bad word, but I guess I just didn't have like a ton of examples like for what to compare it to. Um, and she was my mom and she was a strong person. And I think I just felt fully confident that this was just a challenge that she kind of had to get through. Um, my family didn't tell me this at the time. Um, they were very transparent about a lot of things, but they didn't share certain things like this, which is that apparently the time that she had gotten diagnosed, they told her that she only had six months to live um, because the type of cancer she had, as I mentioned before, it was inflammatory breast cancer, which is a rare type of um, breast cancer. It presents as a rash instead of a, a lump. And 
from my understanding, I don't know exactly why it is, but from my understanding, I think that by the time they catch it, um, it's usually like stage three or stage four. So it's spread. So that was the reality for her. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize all this at the time and she put up a, a good face and we kind of just rolled with it and adapted, um, as a family. Um, I remember going wig shopping with her. She had similar hair to me, like this, like long, like very unique, um, like dark brown, but basically black hair, very, very thick. So I remember going to this wig store and trying to like find something that was even close to hers and there wasn't really anything. Um, but yeah, I remember like her trying on some random wild cards and it was kind of like a fun thing. Like there was like a red bob and I think there was a blonde one. She never actually ended up wearing those, but it was still a fun little adventure. Um, and yeah, she, um, pretty shortly after lost her hair, started going through chemo treatments. Um, she went through a lot. I don't think I even know like everything she went through medically just because I was so young. Um, but I know she I had something called lymphedema, which is where like your arm swells up. So like her arm was super swollen and it was just always like so uncomfortable for her. Um, she had a mastectomy. Um, she just constantly like was getting different thicknesses like I think she got pneumonia a bunch of times was hospitalized a lot um so it's kind of weird like talking about this as an adult because when you experience something as a kid it's um from the lens of a kid so it was all heavy but at the same time it just kind of became life I guess like I remember, especially like if I was on spring break or whatever, my friends would be on vacation and I would be um, going to um, Sloan Kettering with my mom and going to her chemo treatments. Um, and I remember just like the environment there feeling very sterile and there weren't any kids there. And like, I don't know how many other situations you're in as a kid where you're just surrounded by all adults, especially in, in such a like serious context. Um, so I it just felt like, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to act? Um, but I remember like she would get hooked up to the chemo and we would just watch TV. I remember watching like Jeopardy and who wants to be a millionaire. And even though she probably felt like crap, she like somehow knew the answers to, you know, all kinds of questions. Um, she was incredibly smart, um, by the way, um, just like very knowledgeable about such a wide variety of different things. Um, yeah, so I, I remember that. And I remember weekends like spent visiting her in the hospital. I remember times where like, my friends were getting together and going to movies or, you know, doing whatever it was and being like, oh, I guess I can't go because my mom's in the hospital again. Um, but yeah, like as soon as I was there, it felt like, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and 
she'd always like have us me and my brother were sitting in the bed with her um like my aunt was describing it recently as like my um or was it my aunt my uncle was saying that she wasn't a person who who cared about privacy she was just like come hang out with me all the time and I think it was my aunt who was saying that she always would just like have all the kids in her bed um so yeah I definitely just like remember being there with her like being at the hospital drinking milkshakes catching her up on whatever happened at school that week um and it's those three so it was a little over three years altogether that she was sick and that time in my life is kind of a blur to be honest um she was diagnosed in um September 1999 I think and then or wait September sorry I don't know wait September 2000 and then um she passed away in November 2003 so yeah, like I remember, um, I guess it must have been a month after my 13th birthday. Um, my birthday is on October 16th. Um, and I went to the hospital and it was actually very weird because one of my good friends at the time, like her father also had cancer. I know I mentioned earlier, I didn't know anybody else with cancer, but this friend's father ended up getting diagnosed like a few, a little bit later. Um, and I remember like both of our parents were at the same hospital and me and my friend like went and we got food in the cafeteria together. And she told me that her dad um, was going to die. Like they had just found out he was going to die. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh my God, that's so terrible. I can't imagine like that's not the type of cancer my mom has like thank god like as bad as all this has been um I just feel so grateful that that's not something that we have to worry about and I swear I'm not joking you with you like it was that same day that um I went back to her room to see her and I don't remember exactly who was in the room. I think it was like me, my brother, my dad, my grandparents. Um, but I mostly just remember her. Um, but it was that same night that she actually told us that um, she had met with the doctor and the doctor told her that the cancer had spread to her liver. And and that meant that um, there was nothing else that they could do to help her. Um, and I don't remember like if I had to ask her or she just said it explicitly, but you know, it became clear what that meant. And it became clear that it meant that she was going to die. Um, and it's hard to even have the words to describe how I felt. Um, I just, re I remember like that, that moment that night, just like being with her and um, trying to wrap my head around that, wrap my head around um, her not being with us physically. And it just felt so unfair and so confusing and just, 
infuriating and devastating and like emotions that I feel like there aren't even proper words for. Um, and um, I remember going to school that week and just like feeling like, how am I supposed to be in school right now? How am I supposed to just be a person in the world as if everything is a normal week? Um, yeah, I just remember like the next day after that, um, I think I thought it was a good idea to go to school because maybe I wanted to distract myself, I guess also you can only miss so many school days. Um, but yeah, I just was not okay. I was crying the entire day. Um, I think later that week, um, my science class, we had a, a test and I remember going up to the teacher and telling her that, you know, my mom's dying. I can't do this right now. And it just felt very vulnerable too. I wasn't sure who heard me. Um, but it was the only option. I think it was, this was another time in my life that was a blur, but I think it was maybe like one to two weeks um, after she told us that she ended up passing away. And it was um, a bunch of hospital visits. We went there to see her every day they kept her at the hospital. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they were treating at that point. Um, I know that she wanted to be home and that was one thing that was very hard for my family because she didn't want to die in the hospital, but that's, um, how it worked out. Um, but yeah, I remember going to visit her. There was one day where we had a, a music therapist come and we sang some songs together. Um, so that was really nice and also emotional. Um, but just going every day and seeing like her health declining more and more. Um, and I wasn't there. My, um, me and my brother weren't there the, the night that she passed away. She was surrounded by um, a lot of her family though. Um, but yeah, uh, my grandparents came and told us and yeah, it feels like a blur um, too, but yeah, the, there was a funeral and I just remember like a sea of people. It was on a, a weekday, um, but somehow there was like I think there was like a hundred something people, um, family, friends, like people from all walks of life who were there to support her, um, which was great. And also very overwhelming because I just remember all of these people coming up to me and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This is the worst thing a child could go through and well-intentioned and all true um but also just as a child it just felt like a lot and it's hard to know how to respond um and I think that kind of became a theme for a long time for me just 
there was a lot of avoidance around the loss. Um, like, I would say, like, you know, my whole teenage years, college years, going into early 20s, I just remember feeling numb, just constantly numb. And it was frustrating sometimes. Like, I, I just w- wanted to be able to cry, but it was like a, a barrier um, where I felt like I, I couldn't. Um, maybe it would come like once or twice a year, um, but not often. And there were all these people in my life, all of these adults, family members who were intensely grieving. Um, and similar to what I was saying um, about the funeral people who would just tell me how deeply sad they were for me and how they wish that this hadn't happened to me. And I remember feeling like almost like I was comforting them. Um, I feel like, uh, like in one regard, I feel very grateful because I feel like a lot of my family um, members like really modeled um grief and normalized showing strong emotions I don't think my family you know gave me the message that I need to hide this away um but for whatever reason I still felt like I had to hide it away which I think I have some more insight into now as an adult like I think it's kind of a normal developmental response at that age because it's just such a catastrophic thing that and like traumatic thing that it's just hard to process it all emotionally so I think it's um, pretty common that you you just kind of do what you can to be a normal kid Um, but yeah I just remember being overwhelmed by all the grief around me and also not understanding why can't I feel that way why why do I feel so removed from this all? Um, And yeah, I remember like being in school in high school, college, people asking about my mom and I would tell them, oh, my mom unfortunately passed away. And they would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. And I would just say something along the lines of like, thank you. But you know, it's okay. It was a long time ago, which is funny to think about now because it really wasn't that long of a time ago. Um, but I guess, um, it felt like the easiest thing to hide behind. Um, but yeah, it was just super uncomfortable. And I didn't really meet many people who had lost a parent. Like I didn't really have anybody else in my life who I could just vent to about this. Um, So I think that was really hard too, like just how isolating it was. Um, But yeah, I guess like going into my early 20s, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career. Um, And at the time I was like really interested, really passionate in like social justice work and um, also like being involved in my community. So I started to encounter a lot of social workers and I was always 
um, really intrigued by the work that they did. And I remember getting the career advice at one point that like, you should not only pick something that interests you, but you should also pick something that you're good at because everybody has different strengths. And I remember trying to figure out what that was for me. And I was working at a nonprofit at the time doing AmeriCorps. And there were um, some social workers there who were providing therapy. And I remember thinking about how like, I feel like one of my biggest strengths is being able to connect with people, especially like in a more intimate, like one-on-one or smaller environment. Um, And yeah, just supporting others. So that's kind of what like brought me into pursuing my master's in social work. Um, And it's, it's interesting because I think it, um, is a strength of mine. I think it also comes from like some of those earlier experiences I was sharing of like just being very emotionally attuned to other people and um, yeah, kind of feeling like a caretaker in a way, which wasn't, I know it wasn't anyone's intention to put me in that role, but that's what I guess my 13 13-year-old teenage self um, felt was the best way to cope. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what what brought me into um, the field of social work and mental health, um, which I've been working in since. And yeah, I started to go to therapy in my early 20s. Um, and it was definitely helpful and started to like chip away at grief. I didn't mention earlier that I had tried therapy when I was younger after my mom passed away, but I don't think it was a very good fit for me. It was like a much older woman. I think she was more of um, like more of a psychoanalytically minded person. So it kind of felt like she was analyzing me. Like I just had a weird vibe from it. It didn't feel like a comfortable space for me. So I only went a few sessions and then never returned, which is unfortunate because I think about that a lot. Like I wonder um, what it would have been like if I met a therapist that I really connected with at a younger age. But fortunately I did find myself um, with back there. I pursued therapy again in my twenties and um, yeah, started to like chip away at the grief and thinking more about my relationship with my mom. Um, But I think it still was, there was still kind of like a barrier. Um, Like it was hard for me to get emotional, like to really feel the grief. Um, I think that I started to, Feel the grief in a different way um, around 2019, 2020. Um, so in 2019, I lost my aunt to lung cancer, my mom's youngest sister. Um, and I think that that was just devastating for my family and also felt in many ways like just 
a whole flashback to the time my mom was sick um, and just re-triggered the trauma of all of that. Um, so I think that like through that experience and being a bit older and seeing my younger cousins, my aunt's sons who were um, grieving, it, it kind of helped me like see it from a different perspective and like see myself in them um, and just helped me realize like how young I was. So there was a lot that came up related to that. And then I think there was something about 2020 to just the pandemic and just feeling this collective sense of grief, um, like lives being lost, but also just grief of life as we knew it and things slowing down and not really having distractions. I think I'm a big distraction person. I'm the type of person who has like a constant to-do list. I always have like multiple things on my calendar every day. I live in New York City. So always running around place to place. And this was probably the first time in my life where um, I, I couldn't really use that as a coping mechanism anymore. Um, and at the same time I was engaged and I was planning my wedding. Um, and I think that brought up a lot as well, just like all of the mother daughter traditions going wedding dress shopping. Um, I guess that's the main tradition that I can think of, but I feel like, you know, the stereotype is that the mom helps with everything. The mom, um, is helping you organize all the little details um they're the person that you go to for advice you talk to them about all the family dynamics and talk to them about your emotions and um I was actually in California at that time too so I was just like very removed from my family and feeling isolated and it was like the grief just took on a whole new form like I felt like during that time I felt all kinds of emotions that I hadn't I mean not to say I hadn't because I'm sure I had in spurts but just like so much so many more emotions and like emotions that were so much more intense than I had experienced leading up to them um and it was just a lot. It was really overwhelming. Um, it put me in a depression. Um, it, yeah, it just had all kinds of like effects on my life. Um, but I think there were a few things that helped me. Um, so I joined this grief group through this amazing organization called the dinner party. Um, highly recommend them, but yeah, I feel like it was just like fate. Um, the people that I got connected to, we all just clicked, um, so well, we all had experienced some kind of parent loss and we were meeting virtually from all over the country. And I think that was really helpful for me, like talking to other people who had this experience and just being able to name like all of the emotions that come with grief and hearing people share stories or share, you know, feelings that came up for them that month and being like, 
whoa, I feel like I could literally say those exact same things. Um, like it felt like they were reading my mind. So I think that was very healing for me, um, both just normalizing the complicated feelings that come along with grief, normalizing that it's a journey that it hits you in different ways at different points in your life. Um, I think also like helping me to find ways to channel the grief too, so that I wasn't just like stewing in it. So yeah, I think this year in particular, 2023, 20 years after my mom passed away, I've really been making an effort to think about like how I can um, cope with the grief in different ways or like create rituals for myself. Like, yeah, find things that I can put that energy into. And I think that's been really healing for me. Um, I also joined this organization called Empower. Um, I have a friend who did this podcast too. Her name is Dallas. Um, but yeah, Dallas, I met through a dinner party and then she introduced me to Empower and it's a really great organization. It originally was Empower Her um, and it was meant to support young girls who lost their mom, but they recently, like literally just a few weeks ago, now expanded to serving all youth, um, all genders with different types of parent loss. Um, but yeah, I have, I started meeting with a mentee and I um, have just done different events. And I think that's been really great for me too. Um, also just meeting more people in person in the city, in New York City, um, now that I'm living back here again, um, who had a shared experience and feeling like I could use my own experiences to like guide somebody else. Um, and mentoring is still new. I just started meeting with my mentee, but it's been going really well so far. Um, she is around the same age that I was a little bit, was a little bit older. Um, or sorry, she was a little bit older than I was, um, when she lost her mom. Um, and she's now 16. So yeah, I found that really helpful. Um, I also took a storytelling class earlier this year. So that helped me to get a little bit more comfortable talking about my mom. And then I did a creative writing class and wrote something about her there too. And I started EMDR therapy, which I think has been really helpful. Like I was saying earlier, you know, I've done therapy for many years, but, um, for a while, it kind of felt like there was this block where I couldn't really feel my emotions. So um, EMDR is unique because it's like a somatically oriented approach. So I found that really useful and kind of like tapping into the emotions in a different way. Um, it's definitely heavy and it's a commitment, but I think it's 100% worthwhile. Um, and I found it to, to really help me with processing, um, some of the traumas that went along with losing my mom. And yeah, my family just had a memorial for my mom's 20 year anniversary. And I was able to share a little bit there just about, um, 
what I've learned about my mom over the years and just share more about my feelings on grief and open that conversation up. And yeah, I think just the fact that I was able to do that and the fact that I was able to do this and just share everything that I did right now feels like something I never would have even thought to be possible um, 10, 5, 10, um, 20 years ago. So I definitely um, feel um, proud and just like appreciative of all the people that I've met along the way who have supported me in this grief journey, which will continue to be a journey. I don't know what the next chapter brings, um, but I feel grateful to have more, more tools now, I guess. Um, and yeah, I think something interesting I forgot to mention earlier is that um, I talked a little bit about what brought me into the mental health field. Um, and I, I have been a therapist now for many years. I graduated with my master's in 2016. So I think it's been seven years. And I do, I love my work as a therapist for a long time. I was very resistant to working with grief. Um, I remember this one session I had with a client who had just lost her mom and she was crying the whole time. And I remember being like, I have no idea what to say to you. Um, I don't know how to handle this, which is ironic. Like you would think I would be equipped having lost my own mom. But I think it was because I, at that point in my life, didn't know myself what, what to say to myself, like how to process any of it. Um, so for a long time, that was like a hard boundary of mine where I was like, I don't work with grief. I would refer clients out. It was just too heavy for me. But I'm slowly starting to incorporate that more into my work as a therapist. And I think that's also like a big sign of growth, too, that um, although it is heavy and it can definitely be triggering and bring up some stuff for me because as therapists, we are humans um, with emotions. I, I feel like I'm at a place now where it feels like so rewarding to to be able to um provide a space for people to talk about their stories and the person that they lost and also to help share some of the tools that have helped me. So yeah, I um, think that's all for today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you just give a little bit more of a description of what EMDR is for those of us who don't know exactly? Is, is it eye movement? Yes. Um, I should know this as a therapist. <laughs> I think it's eye movement. Desensitization. Desensitization. Um, reprocessing. So I never learned about it like as a therapist. I never got any training in it. So I've only experienced it from a client side. Um, but it's a form of trauma therapy. It's one of the most effective forms of trauma therapy. And it's basically about changing your memory of traumatic experiences. So you can 
remember those events in a way that doesn't feel like feel as scary um, or put you in that state of fearfulness. It helps you to remember those same things, um, but to feel more of a sense of like comfort and peace around it. Um, so there are different techniques, like there is the eye movements, which is, I think you like um, have some, the therapist has their finger out, you like use your eyes to um, look at it from your right eye and then your left eye and then go back and forth. But then there's also tapping, which is what I did. So you could tap like your, your legs or your feet. Um, not saying that this is something that you should just randomly do at home as a disclaimer, um, but that's the idea. And then the therapist like guides you through going back to that time. And it's definitely very intense because it really does bring you back there. Like it brings you back like physically in your body to how you felt at that moment. Um, which is kind of what I was getting at when I said it helped me in a way that um, traditional talk therapy wasn't able to because I couldn't really intellectualize it. It was like I was there in the moment, like thinking back to memories of, you know, being in the hospital with my mom or, um, yeah, just around her death. And um, over time, you like do the tapping or the eye movements and somehow, I don't know the science behind it, but somehow it I think it rewires your brain and the way that you like consolidate the memory. It's pretty crazy. seems kind of like witchcraft. Um, but I think part of it also is just like the way you process it. It's really hard to explain without doing it yourself. But um, for me, at least it worked. Um, and it, it's a commitment, like I said earlier. Um, but I think if you're feeling a little bit stuck with other types of therapy, it can, help in a different way so I think it helped me to feel like there's still that that sadness and that grief but I can go back to some of those those difficult memories and like hold more space for them without like immediately shutting down yeah I've heard a lot of good things about it um, does it also help with like, cause you use the word blur and a lot of things talk, people talk about like that they have little memories, um, from the, the real traumatic times mm -hmm. around, you know, either hospitalization or the death itself. Does that help bring back any of those memories too? Cause sometimes you know, I think it's your, it's your natural defense mechanism. Cause you literally couldn't handle it if your brain was able to comprehend everything you're going through, but it blocks out the good memories and the bad memories, like, you know, everybody says it's a blur. Do you know if it helps open up any of those? Yeah, that's a really wiring? good question. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. I mean, as I was sharing my story today, I'm realizing all these other moments in my life that were blurs. Um, so I'm sure there's more that I could go back to um, and unpack. But yeah, definitely, there were definitely like memories that I hadn't really thought about. And since I was, like I was saying before, it really brings you back to that moment. Um, it slows you down and it helps you to think about things in more of like a moment by moment way, um, mm -hmm. rather than like, you know, this is just this giant stretch of time that was hard. It's like what was happening on this day in this setting. Mm. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, 
I also think too, you talked about um, that you realized like you had kind of taken on this maternal nurturing role as a 13 year old um, because it was kind of what you were thrown into. But I often wonder too, if because you were, your mom passed and you didn't have a sister, right? You were the only female then Mm -hmm. left in your family. I think because my niece, my niece has had, um, some things like she felt like she she had to try to be the glue then to keep everybody together like you know my sister had um and I think it's a natural phenomena when you're the only female when mom is gone and then you're the only female left in the family you know yes 100 percent. yeah um my immediate family at that time it was just me my my dad and my brother and on my mom's side of the family, there were a lot of women. I feel like um, that side of the family was very matriarchal because, like I said, um, she was one of five girls and my grandma was like the ultimate matriarch. Um, but yeah, I think especially in my immediate family, um, it, there was this feeling of, um, you know, being like the closest thing to mom and feeling like a a pressure to to fill that role mm-hmm. yeah yeah especially as older sister yeah it'd be an interesting thing with I, I when you talk said about Dallas I thought it we used to be I remembered her saying empower her um but I always I have like 10 things that whenever somebody's ready to do a study <laughs> there's a lot of things that I think we could the blurs the um female taking the role the that we turn into high functioning to girls yeah. when we lose our moms young, we all do all the things. Like I have a list. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're ever ready to do some different research or something, let's talk because yes. I think there's a lot all of interesting resonates. commonalities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. relate to high functioning. Like I was saying before, I'm a constant, never ending to do list type of person. Mm-hmm. So that's very mm-hmm. much me. And I've been, trying not always succeeding but trying to let go of that and be more compassionate with myself um which works sometimes and then sometimes I fall back into the old patterns again but yeah it's a it's a process mm-hmm. uh at old job I had we had the same progress not perfection I love you that yeah. yeah you're making <laughs> progress yeah perfection's overrated anyways um and the other thing I just put a I put my little asterisk next to my notes was about 2020 and the pandemic and the collective grief and the things slowed down and gave you time you know that your grief took on a whole new form that's when I mean my sister died in January of 2020 and then I started Daughters Without Moms in October oh oh my gosh so the same same thing with me you know time to sit and really and process and think and you know I I went back to my mom my mother loss I didn't start anything around my sister loss um but it just made me realize how how I I I didn't have the ability to really grieve her because I lost my mom when I was 13 as well oh wow yeah 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 so yeah that's so much loss and I think just the compounded loss too like every time you lose a person it brings up feelings from past losses and yeah I didn't mention that in addition to losing my 
my aunt. I um, lost both my grandmothers. So just like a lot of big um, maternal figures all to cancer, actually. Um, and that all happened within the last 20 years. So um, each time I've lost one of them, it's been like awful um, in and of itself, but then it also just brings up the feelings from everyone else I've lost before. Yeah, yeah. it sure does. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you shared a lot about the things that have helped you um, recently, but I usually wrap up the podcast with if there's a final thought or something that you'd like to share before we say goodbye. Oh, good question. And if you don't, you don't have to. You said the dinner party. Um, and that you've, you know, found ways to channel your grief and empower and the storytelling class. Yeah, I think maybe just be compassionate with yourself. Like there's no right way to grieve. And if you're feeling numb, that's totally normal. Um, and if one day all of a sudden you're not feeling numb anymore and that's overwhelming and scary that you'll also be okay and you'll be able to process those emotions um and hopefully some of the the tools i suggested earlier could be some ideas for how to do that wonderful well um so this so I'm sorry, in the beginning, I think you said that your mom passed on November 11th, but that can't be right. 21st. 21st. Okay. And maybe it was just an audio blip and I misunderstood, but um, this podcast, Maddie's story will go live on November 21st. So I can think of no better way to honor your mom and also to give yourself a big pat on the back for the work that you've done over the past three years. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.